You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Wait a minute. Before you go on, I've got something for you that you are going to love. It's the Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide, a downloadable guide that shows you exactly how to untangle yourself from the past, powerfully reclaim your sexy, and re-choreograph your future one step at a time. The best part? It's free. And downloading it gives you access to our monthly support calls as well. What are you waiting for? Break out of the pain and get your sparkle on today. Go to NakedSelfWorth.com. That's www.NakedSelfWorth.com and get your guide today. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and I help women who feel betrayed by their body, their life, or by somebody that they love, reclaim themselves, find their identity, their self-worth, and get back to living and feeling the way they want to live and feel. Today's guest is an amazing woman. Dr. Debbie Matthew, MD, and she is known as the Happy Hormones Doctor. She is a best-selling author, international speaker, educator, wife, and mom of four boys. After suffering for years with fatigue and irritability, her quest to restore her personal health led her to change everything about her practice of medicine. She's been featured on national podcasts, radio broadcasts, and shows including NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. Now, as you might imagine, there's a lot that we are going to talk about today. Not only just hormones in general, because I know that's something that impacts us all, but the interplay of stress, such as facing infidelity and your hormones. And then also the way that so many of us feel betrayed by our bodies when we start going through things like menopause, or when we start experiencing enormous stress in our lives and everything else falls apart. So we're going to cover all of that and more today. So welcome to the show. It's so fantastic to have you on today. Well, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. I think this is such an important topic to talk about. Yeah, it is. So let's kind of start with the foundation here. What are hormones and what are all of these happy hormones that you're talking about? Yeah, well, hormones are chemical messengers. So they go through our bloodstream and they tell our cells what to do. And 
if you have too much of any hormone or too little of any hormone, now your cells are going to get the wrong messages and it impacts how you feel, how you behave, how your body functions. So hormones impact how we feel on the inside, how we react to people around us, how we relate to the world. Um, it, they're, they're really important for who we are on the inside. Some of these hormones make us feel better. Some of them can make us feel worse, but really it's not about which hormone is the happy one. And it's really all about being in balance. We need our hormones to be balanced in order for us to feel balanced and healthy. Mm, that makes so much sense. And I, I, and I really love how you said hormones impact who we are on the inside. Because I know for myself and for so many of the women that I work with, they will say things like, I want to be happy. I want to be energetic. I really want to overcome this. This this infidelity has been the worst thing in my life and I want to, but why can't I? I keep crashing. Yeah. And that's one of the most common things that I hear when people come to see me um, to try to get help with their hormones, the kinds of things that I hear them say all the time is, I just want to feel like myself again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So hormones are those chemical messengers that really help us feel like ourselves. They help us react in healthier ways. They help us in our relationships. So how do we know when our hormones are off? And what's the difference between, say, being in a really stressful time because you're facing infidelity and you're deciding on a divorce and you're maybe changing career? What's the, how do you know? How can you tell the difference? That's a really good question. And maybe what we can do is kind of tease out some of these different hormones because they have different jobs and they make us feel different ways. And I think in this case, the most important hormone for us to talk about is cortisol. And cortisol is our stress hormone and it goes up to help us cope with stress. That's a good thing in the short term. The yes. problem is when we have stress day in and day out, cortisol can become chronically elevated. So now there's too much going through your system. Or another time when this can be bad is if the stress is just, even if it's just a one-time thing, but if it is just so overwhelming that it overwhelms our body's ability to cope, that also can throw our system out of whack. So cortisol is extremely important in our sleep-wake cycle. So when cortisol is not right, there's typical patterns that we see. Initially, when cortisol is really high, we tend to feel maybe overstimulated and edgy. We're in that fight or fright, flight response, fight or flight. We can't feel calm, we can't relax. It's like we always feel like there's danger even when we're not in any immediate danger. And even when your brain is maybe thinking about the grocery list or something else, you still feel that fear response on the inside. And it makes us feel, if you had to describe how you feel, it feels like anxiety. Um, a lot of women end up getting treated with anxiety medications because they feel this way, but part of it is this cortisol going through the system. So too much cortisol makes us feel overstimulated, anxious, edgy. We don't sleep well, we don't feel calm. 
It can get worse though, to the point where the system can't keep up anymore, can't pump out all that cortisol anymore. And now cortisol levels start to drop inappropriately. And now you don't have enough cortisol just to get through the day. And that's even worse. And typically when, when we get to that point, we really feel overwhelmed, exhausted, burned out, unrefreshed. It doesn't even matter how much sleep we get at night, even if we are sleeping, still wake up feeling unrefreshed in the morning. And the pattern of energy or lack of energy that we see is that it can be really difficult to get started in the morning. You know, the alarm maybe goes off, maybe you have to get up and get the kids off to school or you have to get up to work, but you just wanna press snooze a couple of times. And even when you physically can get your body out of bed, your brain is still not quite all the way there yet. And a lot of us need to reach for a coffee because caffeine raises cortisol levels in our brain so that our brain can function like a human being. So it just takes a little bit to get going in the morning, but then once we're moving, then eventually we can be okay for a while and we go through our day. And then that middle of the afternoon time hits and that's when we start to crash and burn. And you know, it's, it, um, we need more coffee, we need sugar, we need, you know, something just to get us through that end of the afternoon bewitching hour. And then for most people, they'll feel a little better. Supper time will come along, they're starting to feel better. Early though in the evening, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, sitting on the couch, maybe watching TV, and that's when you start to nod off. So it's a little too early to go to bed, but you're super tired. And then if you stay up late enough, a lot of people will get a second wind. So now it's 11 o'clock at night. Now your brain is turned on, you're getting things done, but you can't go to sleep easily. And so you lie in bed and you think about all the things that you're worried about and all the stresses that you got in your life. Eventually, hopefully you'll finally fall asleep. And then two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, it's, it's, you know, your brain is back up and rolling again. So of course, when the clock goes off, you know, when the alarm goes off in the morning, you're not ready to get up. So that up and down of hormones or of, of energy pattern very typically is what we see when women have a lot of stress in their life and when their hormones or their cortisol in particular is out of whack. It's not really working the way that it is supposed to. And in fact, it is so common that it's normal, right? It feels yes. normal to us to need caffeine in the morning. It feels normal to us to have you know another cup in the afternoon or to take a sleeping pill to help us at night or to have a glass of wine to calm down. So it's it seems normal because it's so common, but it's not normal. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. I thought, well, isn't that just life? Isn't that just how we do it? And it's interesting because looking at my own life, I've got two boys. I was a former corporate attorney. I've worked for myself. There are years. I mean, I look back and I think, my goodness, my cortisol has cycled too high and too low for years. Yes. I can remember when I was really deep in this, um, it was when I had young children and I didn't, I was a regular doctor at that point. I didn't know about this. This is not the kind of thing that doctors are taught at medical school, unfortunately. But I can remember looking back, my my young son would wake me up about 5.30 in the morning, but my body wasn't ready to wake up. I, I didn't have any cortisol in my system yet. You get this little spurt of cortisol in the early morning hours, and cortisol is like long acting adrenaline. So it's like you get this little adrenaline burst in the wee hours of the morning in order to wake you up and start your day. 
Well, 5.30, that wasn't happening for me. And I would sit on the couch and I'd turn on the TV set and I would close my eyes because he was really little. And yeah. he would sit there, you know how little kids do and they pry open your eyeballs. He wouldn't let me sleep. And I was miserable until seven o'clock. At seven o'clock, then I woke up and then I could get up and make breakfast and, and get on with the day. But in the afternoon, I had to take a nap. It wasn't like I wanted to take a nap or it was a, you know, a treat to take a nap. My body couldn't function. My brain had to shut down. And so I spent my whole day planning how was I going to get my kids to sleep at the same time so that I could also go lie down and have a nap. And I would plan my whole day to make it so that we would be in the car coming home from the park or somewhere. They would fall asleep. And sometimes we would all sit in the minivan in the driveway. They yes. would be conked out in their car seats and I would just sit there and sleep because I was so desperate and I was so exhausted. And I didn't understand why. Mm. And I knew that it wasn't normal, but nothing in my medical training helped me to understand what was happening to me. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So it's, it's ironic that it's normal, but it's not normal. There's a fix for it. That's right. Yeah. 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 So for listeners who are thinking, oh my gosh, that is me. What can they do or what other hormones do they need to know about? Where, where, where yes. can they go from here? So the good news is there are things that we can do for this. And I just want to say one more thing about this cortisol, because we talked about it affects your energy, your sleep and your wake. It affects your immune system function. So a lot of women have autoimmune conditions or, you know, different health issues. And this is just going to make anything worse. Um, it affects our blood sugar levels. So in two ways, it if you have too much cortisol, that pushes you towards diabetes and towards weight gain, right? Cortisol is the one that makes us gain weight around our waist, and then we don't feel good about ourselves. But also, when cortisol, when you don't have enough cortisol, when you're in this exhaustion phase, cortisol is supposed to hold up our blood sugar in between meals. And so if you don't have enough, then your blood sugar starts to drop. So if you, you know, let's say you eat your breakfast and then you get real busy, you're running around, you don't have a chance to get to lunch, eventually your blood sugar can start to bottom out and we start to feel um, like foggy brain and tired and crabby and snappy and we're just going to like elbow you out of the way to get to the fridge because we got to eat something now. And then when we have something to eat, we feel a lot better again. So that's another thing that um, some women have figured out to just kind of keep snacks in their purse, just kind of have like little nibbles as they go through their day in order to prevent that. They don't understand why they feel like they always need to have the little snacks, but they figured out a way to prevent themselves from really feeling that kind of crash and burn. So cortisol is important for our blood sugar, but really, really importantly, Cortisol regulates all the other hormones. So we can talk about our female hormones and our thyroid and the other hormones that impact our metabolism and cortisol regulates them all. So that's why it's such an important place to start because there are things that we can all do for ourselves. They don't need a doctor. Um, I mean, there are things that doc the right kind of doctor can do to help, right. but there are lots of things that we can do for ourselves. So let's talk about some of those if that's okay. That sounds wonderful. And I love when you were talking about like women have figured out snacking. Couple of comments on that. I love that because yes, so many people are snacking, but then I can also see the cycle of women wanting to lose weight and they're gaining weight around the middle. So they're not going to eat and then they're going to feel awful and it, it, they're just going to make it worse. Yeah. 
some women are trying intermittent fasting. I don't know if have you heard of that? So that's oh, a yes. really common thing. And for some women whose cortisol levels are really burned out, it's difficult for them because they bottom out and they don't feel good. And so sometimes it's, I like intermittent fasting and I do recommend it, but it's not the right thing for everybody. Yeah. Or, or at the right time in your life, it sounds like. Right. Yeah, because yeah. we go through, like you said, we go through these these phases, um, and so adrenal function, your your adrenal glands are what make cortisol. Sometimes they struggle more. Sometimes things get better. So, yeah. so here are some of the things that we can do. So, yes, reducing stress. Okay, great. So, if there are things that we could do to reduce stress, that would be lovely. Of course, if we right. want to do that. And sometimes, though, the things that we can reduce are things that are a little bit self-inflicted, right? Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. So there's, there can be major stresses, you know, relationship stresses leading to financial stresses and, you know, all the things that go along with this that you can't necessarily change. But sometimes there are things that you can change. So maybe your house doesn't have to be completely clean or, you know, maybe, um, Maybe you could use paper plates for a few weeks so that you don't have to be always doing the dishes. You know, maybe there are some small things that could be done in order to reduce stress, which would just give you a little bit of a break. And sometimes we can be maybe, sometimes some women are a little bit perfectionistic or we're trying to be the best for everyone and do for everyone else. And it's hard for us to let some things go, but, but it is important. So if there's things that we can do to reduce stress, that of course would be a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. But even, did you want to say something? I, I want to jump in on that. What I love about that, and I just want to thumbtack, you have permission to let go of stress, ladies. You have permission. You have doctor's orders to let go of some of that stress. And I know I struggle with perfectionism. I know so many of you out there struggle with it as well. But I just really, really want to emphasize, underline, underscore, thumbtack, whatever. You have permission to do this. Not that you need permission. You don't. But you're getting it right now. So take it. And my superpower personally is over scheduling, right? I say yes to everything. So another thing that I would say is it's okay to say no and you don't have to give an explanation. So if they need cookies baked for the bake sale or whatever somebody needs from you, it's okay to just politely say, no, sorry, I'm not available. And you don't have to back it up with a reason why. Um, but so reducing stress. Now we're going to be left over with the kinds of stresses that we can't necessarily get rid of. And there's still a few things that are so important. One is it's not exactly how much stress you have that matters. It's how you allow the stress to affect you that's going to impact your cortisol level. Yeah. And it's, it's what you're thinking about in your brain. So even though we can't change our circumstances all the time, we do have some control over what we choose to think about. So you can ruminate, you can think about how you feel angry and bitter and all the negative emotions, and that is going to take whatever situation you're in and it's just going to make it worse. And it's going to pump out more cortisol until you get burned out. Or you can do your very best to catch yourself doing that and change your thoughts to find something positive to think about. So. Mm -hmm. Women who are optimists, you know, the ones that see the glass half full, they're able to let things go, they can survive 
trauma, grief, betrayal, whatever, in a more resilient way than women who get trapped in their negative thinking. So it's a simple thing to say, think happy thoughts. It's a simple concept. Of course, it's hard to do. And the tricky part really is catching yourself doing it. And sometimes it's hard to break the thought pattern. So if you're really in your negative thoughts and emotions, a couple of things that can help bust you out of it is to, first of all, you have to recognize it. That's a hard part. But if yes. you say stop out loud, even if you put your hand out, you know, stop, that can help to break your, your thought pattern and give you just a moment where you can say, okay, I'm going to think about the weekend is almost here. It's the sun is out today. You know, I'm so proud of my children. I, you know, whatever we can always, we can always think of something to be grateful for. And yes. gratitude is one of the best stress reducers, especially when you're in one of those moments when the stress isn't going away. But if you can find things to be grateful for, even if the best you can come up with is like, I'm grateful that it's not worse than it is. Um, yes. It, it really helps. And the chemistry in your body changes when your thought patterns change. So when you're in fear, emotion, anger, bitterness, sadness, the blood flows to different places then if you're in happiness and joy, and maybe you can't get all the way there, but but the more you can feel positive emotions, the more the chemistry, the hormones, things change and literally make your body healthier. Even yeah. if you smile, even if you are 100% faking it, it still <laughs> makes a difference. Yeah. And you know, you said something that I really liked. You said, the stress isn't going away. So often it's not. We can't change that, but we can change our attitude. And and I like how you said we can smile even if we're faking it. It's not saying don't grieve, don't process, but it's like, you know what? Let's just, okay, I've been there. Now I need to breathe and I need to smile. It's not going away. I can make it worse or I can make it better. And why would we not choose to make it better? Right. So, Gratitude, changing your thoughts, those things can help to normalize cortisol. And then, of course, there's all the standard stress management type things, right? Going for a walk, being outside in nature, taking some nice deep breaths, um, yoga, meditation. There are so many different things. Listening to happy music or watching happy movies. There's lots of things that we can do. And maybe just if I can hone in on breathing, just one more thing yes. here when we talk about stress, because when we are in danger, our body shifts into that fight or flight response, and we tend to breathe in a very shallow way. Yes. And when we are upset, anxious, you know, just on a Thursday afternoon, our body tends to shift to breathing in a shallow way. And our brain is looking for clues about, are we safe? Is everything okay? Do we need to be worried? And it's looking at your, what you're thinking about, what you see, what you hear, how you feel, how you're holding your body. So if you're breathing in a shallow way because you're worried and you're running late and you overscheduled yourself or whatever it is, you, when you breathe in that shallow way, your brain interprets that there's danger and shoots out extra cortisol. And makes this whole thing worse. Whereas if you can take some slow, deep breaths, 
that mm. sends a message to your brain that all is well and then the cortisol can come down and I'm a, I don't know, I may be a more concrete person. So I like this concrete explanation is your diaphragm is what slices you in half, right? Yes. And it, it goes up and down and that pushes the air in and out of your lungs. And your vagus nerve, which is a big fat nerve, it joins your diaphragm all the way up to the bottom of your brain, to your brain stem. So when you take big breaths and your diaphragm is going way up and way down, it's yanking on that vagus nerve and triggering your brain stem to get the message all is well, everything is chill, and it calms your system down. So there really are a lot of things that we can do in order to help normalize cortisol, bring it down if it's too high. All of these things also help give yourself a break so that if your cortisol is burned out, at least it can creep its way back up to just the right amount again. Um, so these things are important. Yeah, very important. And I love just how you say normalize cortisol, because it's not always about increasing it. It's not always about decreasing it. We want both. Yeah, you know, cortisol is really interesting because it has a circadian rhythm. So it goes up in the early hours of the morning so that you can wake up and bounce out of bed and start your day with gusto. And then it slowly goes down over the day so that it's low at night and you're restful. You can fall asleep and sleep soundly through the night. And so often it gets flipped around backwards. So it's too low when you can't get up in the morning and then it's too high and you can't fall asleep at night. And um, that's why we've got the coffee in the morning and the ambient at bedtime. It's become kind of normal, but it is not normal. Right, right. So even if we're going through a stressful time and we're maybe pumping out more cortisol and slightly getting into worse habits, we can do our part to help normalize, to help regulate. So we will feel better. Right. So go ahead. I, I thought of one more thing before we maybe move away from cortisol. Yeah. Is the whole point of cortisol, it's the hormone that helps us cope with stress. And so when we don't have the right amount of cortisol, then we don't cope well with stress. And little things feel so stressful. So Getting the groceries home and unpacked and getting dinner on the table is just this huge monumental task. And even emotional stresses, like, like being in an argument, for example, can make us literally feel physically tired, like we just want to go have a nap. And the way that a lot of women describe when they really kind of get to this place where cortisol is not functioning well for them is they just want to crawl back into bed pull the covers over their head and make it all go away because it just feels like too much to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, well said. And, and how many of us, myself included, have had times too, at, like at night where we're like, I can't even get up and wash my face. Like that is too big of an effort. Brushing my too much. Like I, I can't even, I can't, I can't even, even. <laughs> Yeah. And there are real chemical, physical things going on in your body that are doing it to you. So the stress pushed you there, but there are steps you can take to start improving. Okay, perfect. So what happens long-term if we don't start managing our cortisol? Because in this perfectionistic place that I think so many women live, 
We have the idea that if we're strong enough, we can push through. We hear all this stuff about resiliency and, and you can, you can overcome and you can, you know, have all your kids and do everything at home and you can do everything with your partner and you can manage all this trauma and take care of the animals and get your yoga in on the side and blah, blah, blah. If you're just strong enough, just be stronger. Yeah. Well, of course, something's got to give at some point. And one of the things that starts to give are the rest of your hormones. So our female hormones are estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. We think of testosterone for men, but we need to talk about it for women too. Estrogen and progesterone are the ones that go up and down over the menstrual cycle. They're the ones that go downhill when we go through menopause. And when we have a lot of stress, our system sort of shuts, shuts down those female hormones. And then we start to have heavier periods. So especially women over 35, progesterone is one that's, that is kind of the most sensitive here. It goes down naturally anyway when we're over 35 and the extra stress and the cortisol problems just make it plunge faster. So for women often, you know, between about 35 and 55 who are still having a period, their estrogen is still okay, but progesterone is too low. And we call that estrogen dominance. And what ends up happening is more period problems, heavier periods, fibroids, more PMS. So instead of being maybe a little bit emotional for like one day before your period, you can have a whole week or 10 days. Some women have two whole weeks, like they only get one good week in the whole month. Wow. So it really impacts our cycles. This is where a lot of women end up having hysterectomies and different procedures because their, their cycles get all out of whack. So it impacts our female cycles. It, this this imbalance in hormones impacts our mood too because progesterone is the calming hormone. It just makes us feel relaxed and chilled and everything is okay. So if we lose that, we feel irritable, anxious, impatient, negative, critical. We just sometimes you can't, you know, you might know that that person standing in front of you in the grocery store who's digging in the bottom of her purse for her pennies to finish paying her bill, like, you know, you know that it's okay, but you can't help feeling like this. And it causes us to feel more anxious. Mm -hmm. I had this personal story is when I was going through this, I used to wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. There was in my life at that time, there was nothing bad going on, but yet here I was waking up in the middle of the night with panic attacks for no reason. So if you do have things going on that do make you feel anxious, it, it right. just amplify. So irritability, mood swings, anxiety, and it impacts our sleep. Progesterone is the one that helps us sleep soundly through the night so that we feel refreshed when we wake up in the morning. So instead, we can wake up, you know, at two o'clock, at four o'clock, we can have night sweats. That's really common way before menopause. And here we're talking about like 35, 39, 42. We're not gotten to menopause yet. This right. is a perimenopause time in our life. So stress just makes all of those things much more amplified. And these things can go on for years. And the menstrual part of it, like you probably have some idea that maybe hormones have to do with it. But if you're, um, you know, if people are making you so aggravated or if you don't have patience with your children, I mean, for me, I used to fly off the handle with my kids way too often. And, and I remember sitting with my husband, it was our 10th anniversary and we were out for dinner 
and we were happy, we were fine. And I just looked at him out of the blue and thought, who is this barbarian and why am I even married to this man? What was I thinking? <laughs> and and then he, he did not betray me, he's a wonderful man, but you know, it just, that's where my brain went. So progesterone, um, it, it just makes us not the nicest version of ourselves sometimes. And the way that you can know if this is true for you is that it's cyclic. So if you have a week or two when you're not your best self and then you have your period and then you're so much better the week after your period and you're back to normal again and then it starts to go south, that's how you can know that hormones are playing a role. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So much, there's like so much that I want to say <laughs> because this also cycles into that whole concept of sometimes we feel betrayed by our bodies like that. Like, are you kidding me? I just got done with, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Or like you said, my life's in a good place and I've got, you know, a, a good marriage, happy partner, great kids, and I'm feeling awful. I mean, just that, that rage then at your body, that, that betrayal. And yeah. I mean, that just makes it worse. Yeah. I, I have a patient who was sharing with me that the way she describes herself is that she sort of created for herself this alter ego. And so during those weeks of the month, she transforms into this alter ego. She even gave her a name. Um, and, and that's not her. Yeah. But two weeks out of the month, her family knows, she just warns them, you know, well, I don't know, we'll just make up a name and say it's Susan. I'm right. Susan, it's Susan right now. Let's just back away. <laughs> right. Oh, that is so funny. So what about, I mean, what can people do? Obviously, cortisol is that master hormone. Cortisol is controlling all of that. But for people who are thinking, I don't know, I think there's kind of everything. I think I think maybe I am estrogen dominant or maybe I am into menopause and now I've got the cortisol and now I've got this stress and uh, it's all too much and I, I can't do it all. What are some of the things that we can do to regulate the hormone and the, uh, the estrogen and the progesterone? Yes. So once again, the good news is that while sometimes it takes a doctor to step in and help you and you have to find the right kind of doctor, but there are a lot of things that we can do. So food is an important piece of this. If we are eating the healthy foods that are gonna nourish our body with all the vitamins and minerals and fiber that we need, it's gonna make a big difference. So yes. specific foods to call out in terms of hormone health would be fiber. Fiber helps to kind of flush excessive estrogen out of your system. So if you've got kind of more estrogen, less progesterone, it helps balance the playing field. So getting enough fiber in our diet is important. So fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, that kind of thing. Healthy fats is another really, really important one because these hormones that we're talking about, cortisol, estrogen, testosterone, etc., they are all made out of cholesterol. We've all been taught that cholesterol is this horrible thing and we need to squash it down as low as we can with these medications. But all of these hormones are made out of cholesterol. Vitamin D is made out of cholesterol too. So Fats aren't bad, it's just it needs to be the right kind of fats. So the deep fried stuff, like, you know, those fats are bad fats. The, right. The bologna and the hot dogs, yes. But avocados, olive oil, the nuts, the seeds, um, fish, has to be wild caught fish in order to have the healthy fats, not farm raised. Um, and at the grocery store, by law, it has to be labeled. 
farm raised or wild caught, so you can tell when you're shopping. But these healthy fats are really, really important. So here's a simple thing that everybody can do today, because it, you know, changing your diet and being all healthy with your diet—that's a big category. That's a big one. Yeah. But here's a simple thing: the vegetable oils that are cheap at the grocery store. The safflower, corn oil, canola oil—that sometimes it just says vegetable oil. Those oils are very inflammatory, and they are bad for your hormones. So instead of the standard, you know, big jugs of vegetable oil, go for the healthy stuff, extra organic, especially、yeah. extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil. These are the anti-inflammatory hormones that are good for your.、Um, Anti-inflammatory oils that are good for your hormones. So that's just a split-second shopping decision. Grab this one instead of that one. Maybe one time you'll have to stop and read the labels and pay attention. It's going to be a dollar or two more for the good stuff, but in this case, it is really, really worth it. So swap the bottle of oil on your counter, and it's a one-time decision. It's an easy thing to do that really makes a difference. Yeah. I love that. So, one more food that I want to mention, specific for hormones, is the category of vegetables called cruciferous vegetables: broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale. These nutrients all have an ingredient in them. We call it DIM. It's short for a big long chemical name, but DIM. And、right. this DIM that's in these vegetables actually helps us to flush excess estrogen out of our system. And really importantly, it flushes it down a really healthy metabolic pathway that can help to reduce our risk for breast cancer. So you're helping your symptoms today, and you're reducing your risk for breast cancer. And these vegetables have lots of fiber in them, so you're just getting all these good things from this one thing. So, so my suggestion would be try for one serving a day of of one of these kinds of cruciferous vegetables. Totally makes sense. So, what if you are listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I don't really think I'm estrogen dominant. Maybe it's menopause. What are some of the other symptoms and things that can go wrong with our、yeah. female hormones? So, let's talk about estrogen and let's then talk about testosterone next. Yes. So, eventually, estrogen levels tend to go down. Usually, it's sometime around about age fifty-ish, but you know, there there can be a, a wide range. And when estrogen levels start to go down, we can get dry. Estrogen holds moisture in our body, so we get dry hair, dry skin, dry eyes, dry vagina. We just get dry.、Um, estrogen is so important for our brain; it's like a natural antidepressant, whereas progesterone is like the natural anti-anxiety. But it's so important for memory. Remembering why you walked in the room and where you left your car keys and what's that person's name and you start using words like you know the thingamajig or the whatchamacallit. That <laughs> word finding is a really common thing that women complain about, and I have a personal experience here too because I I might I'm 54 and I've started on estrogen recently, and I was having I wasn't sleeping I was having night sweats and so I knew. When I started on estrogen, those would go away, and it took three days, and I felt better. But what I didn't anticipate was my brain suddenly woke up. I didn't even know it was sleeping, but I would sometimes be driving in the car, and suddenly it would look unfamiliar, and I'd have to kind of think about where to go, which that's kind of scary. Yeah, and sometimes. Um, one of the members of my team at work would come to me and they'd ask me a question at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I would look at them and I would find myself saying, "You know, 
I'm hearing what you're saying, but, but nothing is happening in my brain. You got to come back and ask me tomorrow. And then I started on estrogen and all of a sudden my brain was working again. And then just a few weeks ago, I caught myself saying that again. I don't know. I'm just not processing what you're asking me. And I realized I'd run out of my prescription and I'd been off it for six days and there goes my brain again. So such a common experience for women. But when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you don't even know that there could be better for you. So really right. important for your brain. And what I love about that too, is when you're facing a trauma, when you're facing stress, it's so easy to just think I'm foggy, I'm foggy, I'm foggy. You are, but <laughs> yes, there are reasons and cortisol hundred percent is toxic to your short term memory. Cortisol is not good for your memory either. So these things pile up on top of each other, but yeah, the, the dryness, the mood, the memory, um, and then, of course, the hot flashes. And, you know, honestly, the hot flashes, sometimes they're really severe and problematic. But more often, hot flashes are just a pain in the neck. They're annoying. If all you had to deal with was some hot flashes, like you'd make it through. It's the rest of it. It's your brain's not working. Your mood is off. You can't think straight. You don't feel good. Achy joints. Um, you know, it, we just don't feel right. And that's when I hear this all the time is I just want to go back to feeling like myself again. This is not me. Yeah. And if I can talk about testosterone for a minute, because this yes. is one of the most common ones that we see and stress is a major cause for testosterone to go down. Half of our testosterone comes from our ovaries, so it is impacted by menopause, but the other half is made from a hormone that comes from our adrenal glands. So when we're stressed, all the resources go to make cortisol at the expense of this other one, and then we don't have the ingredient we need to make testosterone. So oh, of course. Testosterone goes down. Testosterone is your confidence, motivation, self-esteem, get up and go, get things done, be efficient. And when that goes away, we're left flat, unmotivated, we procrastinate, we've lost that spark and that joy. And you know, if you go to your doctor to complain, that's got Prozac written all over it, right? You'll get a prescription. Yes. But if the problem is the hormones, it's not really going to do it for you. And in any case, antidepressants can help pick you up if you're in the pits of despair. And they right. can help to prop you up a little bit so that you can function. So fine. But they're not happy pills. They don't get that spark back. So testosterone, when, when, when we get low in testosterone, what ends up happening is we put one foot in front of the other and we force ourselves to make our way through the day. And if something has to happen today, we'll make it happen. But if it doesn't really have to be today, we often just kind of leave it to the side because we're just not really feeling it. So going out with our friends or doing our, you know, if, if you're an artist, doing your crafts or, you know, the things that we used to enjoy, sometimes we just kind of, because we just don't really have that spark. And it's so sad and it doesn't have to be that way. And you can feel better. And it's not something that your regular doctor is going to consider or look for or fix for you. No. So a starting place is to work on stress because if we can normalize cortisol, that can help to some degree. Eating the healthy foods that are good for your hormones. Exercise. Exercise is a great stress reducer. And doing resistance exercise to build up a little bit of muscle makes you stronger. And that's... Um, that's important too but that can be a clue because i talk to women sometimes who do exercise and they're they're doing their muscle building you know resistance exercise their push-ups and their lunges and all the things 
but they're not getting anywhere. They're not noticing any more definition or tone and yes. testosterone to be able to build muscle. So even though they are working out, if they, if at least they have enough motivation to muster themselves to get to the gym, but they just feel like they're getting flabby and saggy and it's just very distressing. You know, the average woman gains 20 pounds when she goes through menopause. And so if you've got the 20 pound weight gain, plus you're not feeling good about yourself because your hormones are off, plus the cortisol is making you just, you know, not feel good and not sleep. You just can't be the best version of yourself. You no. can't be your best version of yourself for your family, in your relationships, in your career. And it does not have to be that way. Wow. Okay. So it does not have to be this way. It is not normal to feel this way. And you've given some great tips like eating healthy and exercising and reducing stress. But what else can people do? Because it's not like we can go eat a testosterone filled apple and buy a can of progesterone and mix it into our soups. How do we actually start really clicking in and increasing those hormones when we are really, really low and really impacted. Yes. So especially if you're really struggling, if you have little problems, you know, eat healthy, exercise, the lifestyle habits can be all that you need in order to really feel great. But sometimes you need more help than, than just healthy lifestyle habits. And sometimes you're struggling so much that the thought of exercising or chopping the broccoli. It's like, it's too much. Yeah. So, so here's where finding a practitioner who practices functional medicine can help. So functional medicine means that we're looking inside your body to understand how things are functioning. We want to figure out which are the parts of you doing a great job and which are the parts that aren't doing so great so we can fix them. So what we're really trying to do is find the root cause of why you're feeling this way and address it. And of course that sounds like common sense, but it's not how we were trained in medical school. We were trained to give you a diagnosis. So we'll probably diagnose you with anxiety or depression or insomnia, or I'll, I talk to so many women who they feel like their doctor really dismissed their concerns and told yes. them they need to drink more water or they need to, you know, go exercise. Like get over it. Yeah. <laughs> They, they just don't feel heard. And that's very, uh, if, if you have already been betrayed and then your own doctor isn't at least validating your feelings, it, it's, it, it's so common. And, and yeah. to be really truthful, I believe that your doctor cares about you and wants to help you. It's not that they're a horrible person and they're trying to blow you off, but all these things that I just talked about are not things that we learned at medical school. And you know, my personal story is, I first was introduced to this whole idea that progesterone is naturally anti-anxiety and cortisol knocks your other hormones out of whack because I read a book written by Suzanne Summers. She wrote a book about women's hormones and I read this book and my mind was blown. And in the book, there were all these places that doctors can go to learn how to practice medicine this way. Cause it's not woo-woo medicine. I mean, there's real no. science and research here but the thing is, there's not a bunch of prescription drugs. And so we were trained at medical school to prescribe prescription medications. And so if there's not a simple, quick thing that a doctor can whip off their prescription pad in a 10 minute office visit, it's just too much for them. They're, all of our doctors are all burnt out too because our medical right. system is messed up. So, But a functional medicine practitioner is somebody who will actually 
sit down and listen to your whole story. So we want to know about all your different symptoms and your past history and your what you've been through in your personal life because that's so important for your medical health. And we will do lab testing to understand what is going on? What are your hormone levels? And sometimes we have to do more than just a, a little blood test because cortisol changes over the day. So we'll get a different test result if we do it at 10 in the morning or two in the afternoon. Of course. Female hormones change over our menstrual cycle. So if you just go to your gynecologist, for example, and you happen to be there on some random Thursday afternoon and say, hey, will you measure my hormone levels for me? Probably they're, they won't because you may not be in the right time in your cycle. They're, they'll just tell you. I, one lady today told me her doctor said no because there's no point measuring it today because it's going to be different tomorrow and the next day. So why bother? But yeah. you know, your blood sugar changes depending on whether you've eaten or not. And exactly. your blood pressure goes up. And we still find ways of interpreting that. So of course it can be done, but you, you can always try starting with your regular doctor. But go in knowing that that's not part of what they were taught. That's not how they do things. They don't they don't um, mean you harm, no. but it's not part of what they do. Right. And I, and I love that you said that because if you go to a surgeon, they're going to find a surgery that fits. If you go to a doctor, they will find a diagnosis that fit. You know, me as a lawyer, if you came to see me when I was practicing law, I will find a contract or a lawsuit that fits. It, you're seeking out that person and they will give you what is in their wheelhouse. And I love how you said it's not their fault, but a functional medicine practitioner, this is in their wheelhouse, figuring it out. Yes. Yeah. And it, it makes all the difference in the world because what we are doing is we're not just treating diseases with drugs. We use lifestyle habits, stress management strategies, nutritional supplements like vitamins and herbs and minerals, and we can use bioidentical hormones when that's appropriate, which means hormones that are a natural match for what your body makes. So at least in theory, your body can't tell the difference between whether the hormones came from the pharmacy or from your ovaries. And that's so important because for women's hormones for so many years, we've used all these prescription drugs and they're synthetically made chemicals, never before found in a woman's body, that try to copy our hormones, but they're not exactly the same thing. Birth control pills are, are drugs, they're chemicals, they're not real hormones. And so, you know, they prevent birth, you know, uh, pregnancies and, you know, they do certain things, but they're not making you hormonally balanced. Yeah. Um, and same thing with hormone replacement therapy. We used to give all women the same pill. Everybody got the same dose. It was a one-size-fits-all mentality, and it didn't fit well for a lot of women. And we're all very unique. We all have a very unique hormonal pattern. And one mm -hmm. person needs a pinch of this and a dash of that and a big scoop of this, and somebody else needs something very different. So we can personalize things, and we can get you not everybody needs hormone replacement, but for those who do, we can personalize it and give you the right amount for you so that you can just go back to feeling like yourself again. It helps us to be more resilient, so more emotionally resilient, more physically resilient, stronger immune systems, helps prevent frailty with old age, keeps our brains sharp, keeps us, you know, with that competitive drive in our careers. So it, it really makes a big difference. Yeah. So where can listeners learn more about you and your work so they can start looking at this and realizing my body isn't betraying me. It's not that I'm getting old and falling apart. 
it's it's a natural thing that happens, right. but that they can take control. Where can they right. learn more about you and your work? So the first place I would send people is um, there's a website called isityourhormones.com. And um, at that website, you can actually download a free copy of my book, which is called This Is Not Normal, A Busy Woman's Guide to Hormone Imbalances. And each chapter is about a different hormone. They're short. It's easy to read. There's lots of checklists. So you can go through and check, check, check and see if this seems to be you. And then it's got some tips for what you can do to help get that back into balance. Yeah. It also has resources in the back of the book for where you can go to find a doctor that can help you. And if, if you don't have somebody nearby or you can't find somebody, at least it's got tips for how you can talk to your doctor about this, what you can say, what you can ask for, so that you can have a conversation and, and um, get yourself some help. So isityourhormones.com, you can get a free copy of the book. And then my practice website is called Signature Wellness. So it's signaturewellness.org. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I'm licensed in North Carolina, and um, for people who were to come to see me, they would have to come at least one time to North Carolina. I can't do telehealth because we can't prescribe hormones across state lines, right. but, um, but again, we have lots of resources and information to help women find someone who can help them. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, I want to conclude with just a brief story so you understand that it's not you and that it is normal, but you don't have to feel that way. When I found out about my husband's betrayal, I went into such <laughs> shock, basically. My cortisol levels, I don't know what all they did, but it literally kicked me into menopause. So I had all of that. And then I literally went into menopause and my entire system changed. And it was a combination of lifestyle, diet, knowledge, and just reaching out to different functional medicine practitioners and other wellness professionals that really helped me pull it back into shape so I could be functional, so I could move forward. And so I realized my body's not against me. My life is not against me. I'm not old and ugly and dried up and falling apart. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you're feeling, you can feel better. So reach out, check out this book. You're going to love it. Is it your hormones.com? Have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Are you looking for a great way to make new connections and spread your wings? Revel is a new kind of social platform exclusively for women over 40, where you can do just that. With virtual and in real life events, authentic conversations, and no ads, Revel is the community site exclusively designed for like-minded, fabulous, fun women in midlife. Learn more and join for free at hellorevel slash flaunt. That's hello, R-E-V is in Victor, E-L dot com slash flaunt. Come join us. It's nourishing and super fun. Tune in next time to flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love. 
after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 